Hi, this is Madeline, a.k.a. Groisha, founder of Growing With The Seasons. Our new voice, season one, is the foundation of the intergenerational conversation. It's been in my heart to do. We need more mirrors and voices to inspire our choices. For in the reflection of each other, we all grow wiser. I know I have. To learn more or get involved in this and other co-creations and conversations, check out the website, gwtsfamily.com. We offer many ways to help you groom your authentic expression. Here we grow. So today, my friend Larry's here, and Larry's longtime friend, and he's in his 50s and older than me, which I always enjoyed a bit. man, a year. (laughs) But yeah, this is, you know, someone who, who knew, like I just said, a version of me, because when you're at a certain age and stage of your life and you're managing the experiences that were shortly before it or, you know, coming to you, you're at a certain spot that only those people who were there kind of really know what you were like then because they were there with you. I was there. We were in our 20s. Mm-hmm. It's a long, long time ago. Watching moonlighting and getting, you know, all the fun out of New York City that we could. Oh, man. I was, I was thinking about moonlighting just the other day, and I, th- I did like a, like a Google search or something like that to see if it was like on Netflix or something, but it's not on the, I, I'm sure you can find it like on YouTube, but it's not, like the series is not on any major streaming channel. That's so, that so fun. It was such a fun show. Yeah. And like, and you know, and, and just in the way that our conversation today goes into relationships, you know, so we had a time in our lives where we were, you know, the proverbial boy and girl, like too strong, you know, blue eyed, dark hair, good looking, funny, complimentary. You did used to have dark hair. Yeah, Larry had hair. So I will again. Well, you can't it's see just, because this is only audio, but Larry prided himself in his mane and then his life changed his mane to a bald head. Yes, but it's because of alopecia. It's not male pattern baldness. There's still a chance it'll come back. Okay, very good. So then he's dreaming his hair back and I dream it back too. But, you know, however humility grows, we welcome it. So, yes. So then where we're going with the conversation with our new voice for all the generations, we're just starting with the foundation stuff, you know, even though I know at this time, gender is such a unique thing to bring up. But in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a real definer for how people look at life and the lens and the way they groom themselves. How is it for you? How are you informed about your gender growing up? Well, you know, it's, 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 I'll tell you, it's funny that you ask that because we've discussed, I have a child who was born female and now identifies as non-binary leaning male and went from, you know, her, she to they. And that was kind of mind blowing, but one of the things, and it it still is mind blowing. So one of the things that when, when, when my child was first exploring this, we went to one of these conferences. It was a, it was called the Gender Spectrum Conference. And at one point they divided the parents off from the kids. Actually, the, the, the parents were always divided off the kids. They divided the parents off from one another and the guys went together and then the, 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 the women went together. Oh, you did like breakouts? That must be so much. Yeah. This is awesome. Keep going. Well, it, yeah, it was mind blowing. And, you know, I, it was very early in Emmeline, that's my, my child. Emmeline's exploration of this, and therefore even earlier for me as a parent, I was really, you know, threw me, threw me off. You know, I did my best to participate and add to the conversation, but one of the discussions in the breakout group 
was, tell me about, you know, your gender identity story. And I was like, I don't know what the hell this lady's talking about. I, I don't have a gender identity story. I was, you know, I was a born liberal Jew and everybody was accepted. <laughs> that didn't New York, Yorker Jew. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not right on the border. Really think of but subsequent to that, I've definitely given that a lot more thought. And there sort of a couple things came to mind again, subsequent to that. One of which was, well, this is kind of a, I guess a, a good thing when I was, we'll call it six, seven, eight, something like that. My best friend in the world was this guy named Jay. Jay had two sisters, Lisa and Deborah, and we, the whole families were, were, were buds. We always hung out together and whatnot, but Jay was a big athlete growing up and I was not. So I would often hang out with like, when he was going out to do sports or, you know, guy, what, you know, stereotypical guy stuff, I'd go and hang out with the girls and, uh, and they would be like, oh, you're a tongue girl. And I'm like, well, sure, whatever. And it was kind of awesome in retrospect that no one would ever, like, I don't remember ever feeling judged about that. So I was kind of allowed to do that. And then. That's why you're so good at hanging with the girls, Larry. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Because <laughs> uh, I would jump rope and. Uh, you know, you have a hard one to play with. I'm hard one to play with. You are. <laughs> I'm not going to deny it. That's why I stayed close. We giggled. Yay. You too, yes. <laughs> but that was really lucky. So, uh, and again, in hindsight, it, it allowed me to, well, you know, obviously develop better relationship with, with women, which I, <laughs> as I could have grown, <laughs> lost that skill. That's a whole other story. Or needs to. That's the next question. Uh, Just stay with the gender part. You're going to get to go to all yeah. those parts. Yeah, there you go. But that was really, you know, a fortunate thing. And, and later on, I discover more what it would be stereotypical guy things and, you know, kind of gained an appreciation for sports, which I still have. But I gained it, I think, on a completely different level. You know, I appreciate the, in some respects, you know, the... The, the 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 theater of it and the you know the the emotion of it and you know the skill and all that sort of stuff as opposed to necessarily the what the guyness of it does that make sense the guyness yeah no you're there yeah does that make sense you know like you know sometimes it's you know, sports 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 because I'm a guy I'm a guy really sports I generally you know I actually appreciate them kind of beyond the simplistic level of oh I'm supposed to like sports and so I do. You know I mean? Yeah, no, I, I think you you like sports for the uh, camaraderie in the way I watch you. Like you seem to enjoy the camaraderie of sports and also just watching the sport, like getting into the sport, not necessarily playing it, but like tracking it and stuff like that. Yeah, I, and yes, well, that's de definitely true. And uh, some of my best friends today, one of the things we do share is, you know, college football. That was kind of the basis for the, the starting point for our relationship. So I think that's kind of, definitely an outgrowth of what I was talking about, where I was not forced into something, some sort of gender role. Now that said, I also remember being at school and I'm sitting with like my legs, you know, crossed like kind of diagonally. And it's hard to, you know, where the, instead of where the, where your, like your ankle is on your knee, you know, the, my knee was at top of my knee and my leg was diagonally. And so I was like, that's a gross, that's so I totally remember that kind of thing. Oh, that's how, you know, how guys do it. Or the thing with the nails, uh, show me your nails. You know, if you, if you, if you show your nails, like, you know, <laughs> extend them, 
I don't know if you're looking. No, I see you. I see you. I'm watching you put your hand forward. I'm watching you. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you're a girl. But if you do this, if you look at your nails, you know, you fold your nails and you look at them, you know, this, then you're a guy, you know. Um, uh, and that was a whole, you know, because you're like, it's, uh, yeah, because I'm ready to punch somebody if I have to. <laughs> so I told that's a total thing that, you know, I completely forgot about uh, when we were doing the, 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 the gender spectrum thing. And of course, now I look at my kid and I, mean, I have millions of questions, some of which I can verbalize. To and some of which I really can't at this point because Adam's pretty sensitive about it. And frankly, some of the questions are on the judgmental side. But it definitely has made me look at what it means. And, and today, so many kids are, well, I'm gender neutral or I am on the spectrum somewhere or, you know, I don't know where I am on the spectrum. And it's such a it is in just really one generation is so vastly different than what we grew up with. And anybody who was in a position like my kid or my kid's friends or the peers in that kind of gender spectrum, when we were growing up, they would, they would be the freaks. They would be, you know, they'd be ostracized and people would be making fun of them. And it would really, they'd be closeted and it would not be something that they would discuss. So it's kind of amazing to me how, again, I mean, in one generation, this has gone from rigid rules to there are no rules, which is, uh, again, kind of uh, amazing to me. I see. It's interesting. I don't see it as no rules. I see it as less restrictions and expression. Sure. Yes, yes, yes. That's a better, that is a better phrase. But fewer restrictions, fewer confines. Yeah. There's a construct in those in the language and the words and everything, right? Like it's it's like built in. Yeah. It's a it's a low grade to full force, you know, indoctrination. So mm-hmm. not be identified as something gives you more room to be expressed. For sure. For you yes, yeah, that's Tom a, girl, a, I played tomboy. You know, like people we played around with those things. I mean, at this point I identify as a they too. Like I don't say anyone's gotta call me that. You can call me Madeline or whatever, but like I've always felt like a boy and a girl. I've always gotten along with the guys and the girls and the guys I really like. Sometimes I feel like I was so much like a guy and give up the girl part. Like, you know, I've always been uh, a dude like girl, you know what I mean? I've always, right. And even, even that expression, you know, like a guy is, I, I think is, has evolved so much because when we think about it, it's still a ter- stereotypical, um, you know, what is a guy, you know, a guy is, you know, is strong and a guy is, you know, is, is out there and, you know, women are demure and women hold back. And, and again, that is all kind of assigned roles throughout history that are now those, those, those roles are starting to break down. And it's simultaneously fascinating to see and also just mind boggling to be right in the middle of it because, you know, because of my kid, it's not something I would ever have considered, um, any personal basis were not for, for, for my kid. One other thing kind of going away from that, that, that I thought of after this conference was about my dad. Now my dad was not like a, like a manly man, but his relationship with people and with women in particular, was very not positive. And I don't know if that necessarily is gender or sexuality. 
what were the patterns? What was the patterns like? What do you mean? Because when you say not positive, I mean, like if anything that helps us grow is for helping us to grow, you know, but I mean, maybe you're saying like it was a pattern where people got hurt. People were, he was hurt. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people got hurt. My dad died five years ago. I want to preface this, by the way. I love my dad. I miss my dad every single day. <laughs> so when I say bad stuff about him, I, for every bad thing I can come up with, and I can come up with a lot, I can say something equally good. So Larry and I have been talking term. about our dads from the very beginning. That has been one yeah. of the most bonding parts of our life. We have very similar uh, fathers, and the girl in me and the girl in him are very similar girls. Like, and we really can't <laughs> understand our fathers at a certain level, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I changed the language recently. I said, my father used the resources of his life in the best he could, and I don't believe he ever intended to do harm. I think he just was driven by money and an idea that limited his ability to see what he was doing all the time. And sure. Yeah, how- I, think, I think we all do that, and, and yes. I agree. You know, along those, those lines, I just kind of... One made it clear if anybody's listening. And like you know, I mean, you know, you're not. No, I, I know your dad. I know your dad. I send that, you love. That, yeah, that I absolutely wouldn't, you know, when my dad died, there was nothing, you know, unresolved. And, you know, I forgive and, and love my dad. That said, my dad was, I mean, I don't know how to exact define it, but my dad, I don't think that my dad was ever in love. Maybe when he first met my mom, but my dad always kind of had to be in control of relationships. My dad always had to be like the alpha in the relationship. When women got too close to my dad, he would bail. For my dad, to a great extent, women were objects. And he was definitely a product of his time. You know, this hashtag Me Too, my dad would get destroyed. <laughs> it was a narcissism of sorts. It was just like, it was just a me-centered goal. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So there, Absolutely. there was not an acknowledgement because I think, I, honestly, I still see it in some of the resonance of uh, those baby grandpas. It's like that um, women were like a resource that you could use. Like you, you were allowed to do that. It was like a, a, it was just tolerated. And I wonder oftentimes like, how how us women decided to kind of like play into that and i guess it was to get the money to get the dinner to drive in the fancy car to have the experience you know like yeah because i mean it started why why were you know why you know like you you have that 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 picture of women in the 50s in particular you know why particularly like after world war ii why it's a great question why did women kind of go back to kind of subjugating themselves. Because when you think about World War II and pop culture and all that sort of thing, that was a, like the women in the factories and women were working and women in film, they, they were great roles for women and, and they were, you know, empowered and powerful people. And then of course, kind of the 50s and early 60s rolled around and it was back in the kitchen and you know, it's really, part. I don't know why that happened, but it's interesting. It is like a spell. Somebody called it in one of the shows with the women in their 40s she shared it was the dark ages of relationships. Like it was just like a time where we just all lost our minds and just like, and I call it like, we just started to connect below the belt and we forgot that there was a whole game board that really aligned us in our hearts if we could get our hearts and minds to work together. But we let the mind and the lower self do what it thought it needed to do. And more, 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 and I get what I want and you don't know who I am and I'm gonna do it this way anyway. Like all that stuff's in there. 
because that softens when you bring it to the fire of your heart because all of that's like ways to be empowered for unmet feelings or hurts or resentments and and arrogance you know and like none of that's really your essence it's just what's in between you and your presence so it has to play itself out and we project it onto each other so in that lower part of our bodies there's been a good amount of just hooking each other, keeping each other on chains, not letting go of this because there's a sense of well-being that we've used in our emotional center to hold us connected right. to each other. That's not the connection like that wheel I made at Bennigan's. That was an outward connection of people I could trust and it worked in the way that I could use it at times, but I had to find that wholeness inside of me and not use other people to make me feel okay or not make me feel okay. Right. Right, but like, when you're in relationships with women and men, like my father, you would see the light that would come on with the women when he, they would be around him. It was like they had the world in their hand. They were the woman with Jack McCann. Like I'm walking in with Jack, you know, and he was a prize, you know, he was pretty as a picture, <laughs> yeah. like a picture just and sweet and always had tons of money and, you know, was gentle in his way, but you were always under his control. Like it was always, and kind he, of, that was a big thing for him, right? I mean, the, the thing of walking in with the hottest woman, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the cock of the walk, man. And the women make me, <laughs> make me the, 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 you know, the, the alpha in this room. Yes, yeah, definitely kind of a, you know, like, again, going back to my dad, definitely used women as a tool to show off and to self-aggrandize. Um, and I'm sure that's the same thing with, with your dad. I don't know if that's true. My dad was more of an emotional whore. He really liked okay. he really liked the sweetness of people. He liked to cultivate the best in people. Like he he would pick some prizes. You know what I mean? He they were in bad looking women, and he always had anyone he wanted. But he kind of appreciated a, a soft heart or somebody who you know he he liked to believe in people. He liked to and he found them entertaining. He wanted somebody to be talking. He went out with this girl. He used to right. go. Rah, rah, rah. Jackie. <laughs> and we'd be like, what? Are you for real? Like, no way, Dad. And she remember her? Remember I used to do the stories about her? Like, she's a prize. Like, and my dad would just be so entertained while he's having his dinner and watching everybody do what they would do around it. Like, he just loved watching people, you know. Like, I don't think right. that he is skewed with the woman idea that your pop was, but there definitely was mm-hmm. a way that love wasn't theirs because the game board and what they were doing was not allowing them to get that real intimacy. Right. Well, sure. And, and again, so if, yeah, so your dad then was different from mine because mine definitely objectified. I mean, look, I did tell you shortly after my then daughter was born, you know, we're talking about college and careers and future and this, that, the other thing. And my dad, at one time said, ah, we'll get her braces and a boob job. She's going to be fine. And <laughs> that, <laughs> to my dad, was what women, how women excelled. And that's what women were. Braces and boob jobs. Good butt, legs. Yeah, just fix them up. Just yep. make them pretty and put them out there. Yep. And I'm like, dude, that's my daughter you're talking about. But in his, in, you know, in fairness, um, in his, you know, defense, he was consistent. You know, it didn't matter if it was his grandkid. It didn't matter if it was, you know, somebody else's grandkid. It's better. Like, that's the whole deal. Like, that's how they thought. Like, I I remembered and I shared last night in a prayer. Like, I remember my dad telling me, like, well, didn't you tell them how I am? Didn't you help them know who I was a little bit, Madeline? And, like, 
I'm so mad at him for being so stupid as I'm growing up thinking that how could he stay so dumb? But meanwhile, he was doing it the way he knew to do it. And he was keeping boundaries and rules in his own way. Do you know what I mean? Like not doing them. There were ways about him that were like people always felt he was very kind. Like he didn't leave, you know, women got brokenhearted because once he wasn't there doing that emotional thing he was so good at as a Piscean, then they would be like a wilted flower and then they'd go back to the drink or this or that. And it would look like he did it to them. But really he had a codependent kind of game board that he, you know, that was his, that was his type, if you will. Yeah. Well, again, so again, the, the similarities between the two guys, that was definitely my dad. My dad always went for the type that he, you know, could, that he could rescue, type that he could be the, the knight in shining armor. But unfortunately, on many occasions, once they got attached, uh, he was like, eh, I'm good. And on at least three occasions, women that he was with, when things went south, attempted suicide. And on two of those three occasions were successful. That was, yeah, that was certainly the, we knew one of them um, and we were really tight with her. And that was, that was absolutely traumatic. Yeah. So my dad was definitely, you know, like, like you said, it was that type that wanted to be the hero, but not so much so that, you know, when it, when the rubber really hit the road, that he was in it for the kind of a deeper emotional connection. And I, that is to this day that I, you know, I'm still, my role as a guy in a relationship is still something I deal with and, and try to juggle all the time. And I think that that's a big part of it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's the codependent resonance, you know, like the, the ends of the soup. I think that our family, the generations that we come from, after that 50s model kind of took hold, it created this dependence game board and this emotional kind of like dominance and power thing that went on. And sure. so our confidence became in our ability to maintain the set. And when we weren't good at it, we lost confidence and something happened there. So my sense is that we our generation specifically are the ones who can still kind of like remember that and see that, but we're also trying to learn how to have that kind of love because we didn't see that kind of love. Like we didn't get- Right, we definitely didn't have love. Definitely did not have- The, the unconditional uh, the, love. The modeling. Yeah. Yeah, did not have the role modeling. You know, now of course I divorced my wife and one of my major regrets is I don't feel like I've modeled strong relationships to my child. And that is- totally one of those things that makes me wonder, well, you know, if I had modeled or if I do model, if I were to model, you know, good relationships, how that would affect their, you know, the choices and, and how they feel about themselves, about their role. I mean, I don't know. I'm having a response to your, um, your talk there in regards to you have a tendency in, in conversation to kind of put judgment words on things. And I've just become real sensitive to those words. So I do my best sure. to try not to correct because I know it's an obnoxious thing to do. What do you hear? Tell me what you're hearing. Well, I'm hearing that I'm not modeling it right or good or I didn't have bad modeling. But the thing is, no, they were showing you what they grew to from the sickness of more. Right. So like. I have men that come to see me that are addicted to taking care of that thing down there. And like, that's just a game board. And that's just how the life runs. And that's where the life force is. And that's what makes it go up and down. And like, that's the game. That becomes how they build their structure, their personality, their character, their movement. Like, that's how they exist. Mm-hmm. Right? So their existence is the presence that they offer us. You know, we get to watch their existence. 
but to to shame it or to blame it like it's good or bad then that leaves us feeling like we have a way that we're good or bad when we're just mirroring the resonance of what we grew in and we're growing enlightenment too and we're growing clarity as well well yes i yeah as we're saying but i would argue and again this this goes to that kind of discussion of forgiveness and acceptance versus approval. You know what I mean? I forgive and accept my dad's behavior and what grew out of that behavior, but I that is not the man that I would like to be vis-a-vis my child or relationships that I have. But then he did his job. He upgraded the model. He helped upgrade the model. You know, like our ancestors, they lived certain lives for us to thrive, you know? So like, I wouldn't be this girl. Like you mentioned, I've grown since you met me. I mean, and, and instead of saying thank you, I was like, no, I'm the same person. But like, I did grow a lot of things. And mostly what I grew is awareness of like, gosh, like everything that happened was just perfect. And everybody who came before me and before me and that person and their family and gosh, man. Everything really is wanting us to wake up and see things in a way that brings us together. Like, it's not here to hurt me, you know? I can't think of anything that happened that I can't see some form of growth or possibility or discomfort that brought me clarity was part of it. Yeah, I, I mean, that is, a, I, I totally appreciate what you're saying. And I'm, it's a really kind of interesting discussion, which I'm happy to have. I don't know that I'm, I mean, I guess I am judging it but i'm also you're using it for inspiration to be different yeah i mean well let me i'm a hack maybe uh, let me just let me come see like kid maybe let me come around if that's that's what i'm trying uh, to say um yeah i mean i like kind of going back it, i totally get it i totally get where my dad where my mom where you know where others come from one of the things that that killed my marriage oddly enough is my then wife would come home and say, eh, first was a fucking asshole. And then I have to say, so like, well, well, let's put ourselves in their shoes. You know, where are they coming from? What is their truth? And what is their reality? And she's like, fuck that. I don't want to, you know, and you're only so fair to them. Why are you so fair to me? And even now, like with my, with my child, some of school will, will, will piss them off and it'll be, you know, it'll be all thorn to them. And I'll say something like, well, yeah, but you know, who knows what's going on at all. What are their parents and how are they being raised? Blah, blah, blah. So I can absolutely put myself in my dad's shoes. I guess what I'm trying to do is grow compassion for us now by growing compassion for them. Like, I'm not suggesting that I think of every move my dad made is like, oh, yeah, that was on the money. Like, I understand his absence and his character at times. And I'm a character who has absence, too. And so... Just growing compassion for our ability to grow through things and, and do things differently because that internal critic, you know, that, that harshness internalizes. And that's the part of us that can, I think it's probably like the primary tool that gets in the way of thriving because it's, right. self, it's self-criticism, you know. So I think I'm just reacting to it because I, I see and hear myself and it's what we do. I know it's one of those parts of the conversation we always have. So it's something that I, I respond to. So maybe I have to just yeah. allow it and not trigger by it. I just, I just feel like when I hear it go into you, I feel like I'm supposed to try to like protect you from, from making yourself think that you're not good enough because you didn't do more or you didn't do this or that. Like when I hear people do that, I guess, cause of my shame reflection, 
I'm always like, well, wait a minute. Like we can't be telling ourselves we should have done more. or I didn't do this or I didn't do that, but maybe you're just being aware and I should just let you share your aware, you know? Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's a great, it's a definitely something that I have, will, will take away from this and, and mull for the next time. Cause that is definitely, you know, my initial response is I feel like you can, you could be in both places. You could be in a place of, man, I wish I had done so-and-so and still be compassionate for others and for yourself without it bringing you down. But as you say it, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely some element to me that says, yeah, you know, maybe you gotta be more compassionate towards yourself because <laughs> just like those that you are talking about, you're doing the best you can. You know, you're, uh... I mean, and, and like, I, I know I'm always a, a, your eternal fan, but like your relationship with yourself is of a stellar nature, right? Like you are an introspective cat. You like to be authentic. You took time to go to therapy. You look at, try to understand all the angles, like you're extra compassionate, you know, like you can embody roles. You're an actor, you know? So it's like, you have given your daughter the example of a healthy relationship, right? And you maintain a relationship with her mother and your friends and she sees your differences and she's sure. had to work through differences and still work together for a common goal. Like when you think about not being the Norman Rockwell picture or this or that, you know what I mean? Then, then you tell yourself like, well, I wish I did it better. But if you look at the cool parts you are doing, that comes with the gratitude and the compassion. You're like, so, I mean, like we're on a, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like, the fact that you're speaking openly in this dialogue about your daughter's process and your own ability to talk with her and communicate with her about it and go to things for it, like then, that's what then, then. new relationships are. What do you then? Then I said then, them, them. Then, then, them, 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 right. Then, yeah. yeah, you know, and that's funny because I'm not making, you know, don't have to keep beating this horse, but <laughs> when I when I think in terms of modeling, I don't really think in terms of my ex, I think in terms of how I moved forward and had very, you know, I have not had another relationship, you know, a real relationship. I have had some girlfriends briefly, but none that I've felt strong enough to introduce to. And, and for sure, I've held back on getting into relationships because for some reason, I didn't want it to affect my relationship with, with my child. And it is, it's only recently that I was like, oh yeah, I'm going on a date to Amber. What I've, gone on several dates in the past and you know since i've been separated from my ex which is now uh eight nine years something like that and early on i would not say i'm going on i'd say oh i'm going to dinner with friends or oh i've got plans or oh i've got you know so that's really what i was talking about in terms of well, modeling that... i really wasn't even talking about but with 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 my ex i'm talking about um about and i guess i just jumped all over like i do but also there's the way that you made her relationship sacred Right. So you made the right with your daughter sacred in that you didn't want to confuse it and have these more energies come in because you knew there was already enough with her and her mom and her aunts and her family that she didn't need to. And you didn't want to be balanced. And how do I figure out this person and this person at the same time? You know what I mean? Because right. And I appreciate that vocabulary because that is certainly not vocabulary that I would have come up with. But that's true. That is definitely true. It's, you know, that relationship, frankly, is the most sacred one to me at the moment, <laughs> for better or for worse. I don't know. 
I know you don't like the judgment shit, but. And that's like where relationships are important to people in that way. Like Philip, John and Joey's dad, he was very careful about that and, and really making his time with the boys just their time. And I was not careful like that. And there was a different, you know, response based on that. You yeah. know, so I could appreciate how that shows up. Though I'm thinking about how we've we've talked about how close we were to our family members, you know, how close you were to your mom and how close I was to my dad and how like you learned to love your children the same way you were loved. And right. like when I love my son, John, even though I love them all, there's a certain way that that one got like the first dose when I was less mm-hmm. awake and I was just like dropping down what I got, you know. And that like loving him so much and just and that emotional connection and the intimacy and like all the things that you just can grow so easily with your child that you can't grow with another man or woman because there's something about your child that makes it so safe. But there's like an emotional landscape that you share that when you try to move away from each other, you're like, man, we're a little closer than I thought we were, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Well, the irony through all this is that Emily much for her spending time with mom than with dad. The basis for that one is you know, obviously another dynamic going on. There's one more question. Uh, so can we let it. can we let that question go? Do you feel like we resolved that enough from the original intention of relationships and your life and gender? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and it's all okay. part of a made big scheme anyway. All kind of I know. I love how life works. You really just have to show up and not be a jerk. That's it. So <laughs> what I, what the final question is, is so what do you do now in your current day to come into your center? Like to be able to trust yourself to, to, you know, how you connect to spirit. Like everyone says it different, but like, what's your practices of stillness that help you kind of get to your resolve? You know, just that inner space of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me check with myself or yeah, I, I'm going to go do this. And then I'll know my head will be clear. Get what I'm trying to say. You know, there's, I definitely have a lot of work to do with the department. I usually, it's like, usually it's kind of after the fact. So like I will have a reaction to something or I will feel something or say something or, or whatever. And then it like in that moment, whatever, be very reactive. And then after the fact, I'll go like, well, what is really going on here why why was that your response what are you really feeling here you know and just as a example you know i could get into an argument uh, back back in the back in the day with chantal you know and when it was all over you know and i'd go to my separate corners i'll be like you know she did that as a battle and it's all her and you know but today i kind of like you know i kind of go with like an inventory taking of like, well, what is really going on? You know, and oh yeah, you know, I forgot yesterday, you know, when I was at work, you know, the, the director called me an idiot or, oh yeah, you know, I forgot that a project that I submitted was rejected and oh, you know, yeah, I forgot that, you know, something, something, something. And then it's like, oh, but that said, I would definitely, I definitely have a lot of work to do to still, to still myself and do, you know, find some sense of, of you know, calm and, and, and inner peace, because I do a lot of, you know, you know, am I where I should be? Uh, you know, I'm not sure I, I still have a lot to, or, you know, we're all, but maybe I'm too old or maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do, you know, this hair thing. That's not who I am. You know, so I definitely uh, need to well, <laughs> a lot of, how old are you now, Larry? 87. 87. 
Yeah, 87. 57, cut out. 57? <laughs> you know me. You're older than you are, whatever. All right, all right, all right. That's right. I just had a birthday. This in February. Yeah. So, um, Aquarius guy. Yeah, you know, I, I pray it's a symptom that gets resolved, that self-judgment, that inner critic, you know, because I think uh, some of us analyzers and intellectualizers, you know, in that frame, the brain just uses contrast to define everything. So that neutral space is where there's the grace. And it's not an easy space to stay in because your mind likes to be activated by things to do, you know, and things yeah. to process and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
when you start to go there, I start to think, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> you know, because you're like, okay, because there's no end to it. Right. Like once you're in that despair or that fear pocket, like it, it goes, mine goes. Sure. Yeah. And you got to say at some point, okay, so what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do about this? Sometimes that worry thing, it's great. Sometimes that's a great place to be. <laughs> it's a very comfortable place. It's like, you know, fuck it. I don't have to do anything. I just have to be upset. And that's great. Be neurotic like the Seinfelds. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's me, you know, when you, uh, what, what, you know, what are you going to do about it? That's, I don't, don't want to do anything about it. That's, that's work. This stuff is easy. I can be, you know, I can be grumpy and worried. That's curmudgeon. Me. I can be a curmudgeon. Yeah. Yeah. I'd get some delight in that. Yeah, actually doing something about it. Yeah, I got to go outside my house and confront shit and do stuff. It's, it's tough. So yeah, I get that too. I do know you well enough to know you do some things like you do physically stay connected. You try to do exercises and stuff like that. And I know you try to be peaceful. So really the question is, how do you know the truth then? How do you know if something's the truth or not? How do you discern? It's funny because my impulse to answer that question is I feel like I certainly like him. I have a very tough time not being truthful. I love that uh, about you. And so I feel that as a result, I'm pretty good at determining the truth. But the reality is, is that, you know, it's the, the old thing of the, the most distrusting people are the most distrustworthy or the least trustworthy, whatever, you know what I'm saying? I almost always take people at face value and trust them. Like if they say something like, oh, you know, and look, we all say things, do things, that put us in a better light or that, you know, will you know, that, that, that will not offend somebody or rub somebody wrong. But fundamentally, I mean, I feel like I am an honest person, you know, and I, I try because it's just too hard to lie. <laughs> I got to keep, well, what did I tell that person? And what did I, you know, where, you know, where are we in the, in the chain of, of, of deceit here. It's like, oh, what did I, you know, it's like, I, I can't keep track. I'm just, I'm not that smart that I can keep track of stories like that. I try to tell the truth and I, then I try to take people at face value. And for me, it is kind of this, you know, this, it's funny because this is an argument, I, this is an argument we had ages ago where are you? Uh, we are the debating king and queen. I will give us that. Yeah, but you know, like you know, why we would we would hang out together, and you know, we'd go to a like a room full of people, and I would kind of go, you know, like sit there and read a magazine or something like that. And you'd be like, "That's so goddamn rude! What are you doing? You know, you're not being." And I'm like, "No, I'm just kind of taking care of myself. I'm fine. It's good." And it wasn't until years later that I saw other people that sit at that table, like, "Oh, I get it," because they're not participating. They're not. They're not being part of the group. And it really is a, like, it, it is a way of telling the people that, that, that you don't value the people that you're with in that room. I totally didn't get it at, at the time, but I was definitely taking care of myself. You know what I mean? I was like doing what I needed to do. It's definitely, there's a fine line between doing what you need to do for yourself and being a good participant. I'm hoping that as I grow, I am doing both. Larry, that's beautiful. 
I, I hope I'm doing gro- both as I'm growing too. I, I think that living in your own bubble is a great comfort, but I think it, it's true how it affects others is important and our ability to all connect and flow and keep the spirals going. Like that's what makes us growing. Right. You got to take care of yourself, but you got to participate too. Right on. Well, this is wonderful. This is just what I better than I could have dreamed. So I'm going to stop the recording and thank you, Larry, so much for being here today. My pleasure. This has been really fun. I close it usually with prayer because I have a belief that when you open these beautiful spaces, you want to take it. So we just like ask everyone to just rub their hands together and get yourself into a way that at least your spine's got a way to take a nice deep breath or two. Mm-hmm. And just invite, you know, gratitude to fill us up. And just for the moments and all the moments that led to this one. And just thank all the people's lives that touched our lives and all the stories that we live to bring us to this clarity and to be who we're here to be. And just let it all go, you know, just let the conversation continue to happen and let us hear each other with good ears, ears from our heart, grow wiser and ways to create a beautiful life for the children to come many generations. So thanks for your presence today, Larry. Grow in peace. Here we grow. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Hi, this is Madeline again. If you're interested in learning more about co-creation and building a new foundation, check out the website, gwtestfamily.com, and get involved. Join us in growing this frequency of more peace and harmony and possibility. Where's the fire? Rhythm in the middle. Stay centered. Stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what'll soothe your soul. Sing with the tribe. Rhythm in the middle.